This is Alive with Joseph. This Wednesday, I want to speak about rededication. Rededication. You and I must rededicate ourselves to God. You and I must rededicate ourselves to His calling upon our lives. It's very, very important because it is God that makes the difference in us. Amen. As we start, I want us to start with the book of Second Samuel chapter 6. Uh, from verse 9 to 13. This is a very powerful story. It's a story about Uzzah, Uzzah, who the Bible says he was trying to help. The ark of God was falling and he tried to help and God killed him. And uh, something very interesting happens. When God did that, everyone that was around got afraid and they backed off. And David decides, no, let's look for someone where we can put the ark of God in because now they are afraid of this ark because it has just killed someone. And they looked at Obed-Edom and they put it in his house. Let's read. Let's hear what the word of God says. Verse 9 says, David was afraid of the Lord that day. David was afraid of the Lord that day. Just make me think. Could it be that they all had become so familiar with God and with the things of God that they no longer knew what was sacred and what not, was not sacred anymore. Pastor spoke to us about, you know, how to handle the sacred things of God. Sometimes we get too casual and we forget what is important, what is key. But the Bible says David was afraid of the Lord that day. Could, also, could it also have been an event that was sent to stir up the fear of the Lord in them again. Could it be that they'd become so used to God that the fear of the Lord was no longer there? It says, and he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David. But David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gigite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gigite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Now it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of the Lord. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David. With gladness. Amen. Ah, a lot of, a lot have been preached around this story as to why they chose uh, Obed Edom to take it to his house. I want us to look at it from a different angle tonight. I want us to see what God wants to say to us. I want, the first question I want us to ask ourselves who is Obed Edom? Who is Obed Edom? The Bible where we read tells us that he was a Gigite. Who are Gigites? Gigites were of the lineage of Goliath. He was of the lineage of Goliath. And these were people that were the number one enemies of Israel. They were the number one enemies of the house of God. They were the number one enemies of anything that had to do with God. So he was the inheritant of Gad. He was from the lineage of Gilead. He was, he was, 
when you think enemies of God, they came first into mind. They were amongst the people that came first into mind. So what happened was, when David conquered Goliath, and he conquered the Philistines, the Bible says he went and he took 600 of them. He brought, him, he brought them to himself, to the palace, and he turned them into two things. He turned them into his bodyguards, and he turned them also, he converted them into worshippers of his God. And he turned them into Levites, meaning he turned them into pastors. That's amazing. That's mind-blowing. He took people that had no covenant with God. He took people that were, were enemies of God. And he brought them close. And he converted them to his God. Not only did he convert them to his God, he made them, he trained them to the place where they became pastors in the temple. They became Levites. They became people who were serving the interest of God. And that is who Obed-Edom was. Obed-Edom was serving in the temple. Obed-Edom was, um, was a bodyguard to David, but also he was serving in the house of God. Very, very interesting. You know, David was a ruthless king as well, especially when it came to the things of God. There were things he did not negotiate. He didn't ask them who they worshipped or not. He said to them, as long as you are in my house, it is, in my, it is my God that you will serve. As long as you are in my... There cannot be two gods in this house. There cannot be two altars in this house. If you are in my territory, I, you will serve the God I serve. It might sound too harsh, but it is something that must, we need to start thinking about. We live in a time where we even some of us struggle to tell the people around us about God. People don't even know who you serve. People don't even know, they don't even see the difference between you and them. Do you know who the nanny in your house worships? Do you know who your driver worships? Do you know who your employees worship? You, you might not have the power to force them to worship your God, but do you tell them about your God? Do you tell them about Jesus? Do you give them your testimony? Do you tell them about the importance of serving God? Maybe now I might have even gone extreme speaking about, you know, uh, your nanny or your gardener or people that work for you. Including some of us, not even our children. We don't even have certain conversations with our children. We don't have conversations about God with our children. We don't even pray with our children anymore. I want to challenge you. That the same way that David converted people to Christ, you and I have a responsibility to convert people to Christ. How do we convert them? By speaking to them about Jesus. And let the Holy Spirit do the rest. Pastor said on Sunday that there is nothing that God can do on earth without us licensing him. When we tell people about Jesus, we license God to move in the lives of those people. That's what the Bible says. It says the duty of the Holy Spirit is to convict man. 
Yours is to speak. His is to convict. He is looking for a mouthpiece everywhere that he can use to speak. Listen, we our our Christianity, we are a generation that likes a comfortable Christianity. We do. We like our comfort zone. We don't talk to people because we fear rejection. We don't know what they will say. If we fear rejection, we are compromising the gospel that we have been entrusted with. We have been entrusted with the responsibility to preach the gospel. It's a mandate. It's a mandate. When we get to heaven, we will not be judged for our sin because Jesus took care of the sin issue on the cross. What we will be judged for is how many people have we pointed to Christ? How many people have we brought to the saving knowledge of Jesus? Whether you like it or not, you and I have a kingdom responsibility to bring people to the knowledge of Christ. Glory to God. So I want us to wake up to that reality. Wake up to it. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. So that on the last day you don't stand ashamed before God. You need to stand and say, this is my work. What is your work? Your work is not the business you're building. Your work, my work is not the church that we pastor. My work is how many people have I brought to the saving knowledge of Christ. That is the work that God will judge. That is the work that God will look out for. Our work is not how much money you will make. It's not how much money you're making. Your work is what are you doing for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The Bible says they brought it into the house of Obed-Edom. And in three months, the house of Obed-Edom changed. His entire life changed. I want us to look at certain things. Now, why did David choose Obed-Edom's house? Why? <laughs> I've heard people saying that ah, maybe they did because he didn't know you know, about what happened to Uzzah, then therefore, you know, he could have died, you know, no, because of, there are so many things, but here is what I believe was the reason. I believe it was because of his level of sacrifice. Remember, Obed-Edom was a gatekeeper in the kingdom of God. He was also in the choir in the house of God. He was not just his bodyguard. David knew Obed-Edom personally because he was his bodyguard. He was the gatekeeper. He was also in the worship team. He was, he was doing many things. And I believe that David looked at him. He looked at the way that this young man served. And he said, because he knew the sensitivity of the ark, he said, if I'm going to leave an ark somewhere else, it better be in the house of someone who knows how to handle the ark of God. There are a few things that I believe he saw. He knew his level of service. He knew that he was not just an ordinary gatekeeper. When others were standing, keeping the gate as if they are forced to be there, this guy was diligently serving at the gate. He knew the quality. He, had, he knew that this boy is loyal. He knew that he is a man of integrity. There were things he knew. He knew his level of commitment. 
He knew his level of trustworthiness. He knew that anything I say to, to Obed Edom do, he will do it and he will excel. So he knew that I can trust this kind of person with the ark. You don't just put the ark of the covenant anywhere. No. No, 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 no. God doesn't do it. Even David. David had worked with God for so long. He knew where God could stay and where God could not stay. And he knew that this person, if I put it in his house, the, house, the ark will be safe. The ark will be taken care of. Here's a question for you. Can God trust you with his ark? Can God trust you with his agenda for mankind in a day like this? In every generation, God is looking for someone God is looking for a family that he can trust. My husband likes to say, God does not call an individual, he calls a family. He calls a family. God called Jethro's family. He sent Moses to go and hide in the house of Jethro because God knew that the training Moses required to go and deliver and walk the children of, of Israel out of Egypt it was Jethro who could, who could train him. There are places go, where God puts you because he knows who has, who has put there to train you. So that when it is time for you to do what God wants you to do, he's ready, you're ready. God, I was just thinking about Mary. Mary, the mother of Jesus. I believe honestly that there was something about Mary that God looked at. There were virgins everywhere. She was not the only virgin. But this God looked at something. There's probably, there was a, a character in Mary that made God choose her. It could be that in, in, even at that young age, maybe she was that girl that when her parents looked for someone to send, she was the first to say, I'll go. I'll do it. Maybe she was also interested in the things of God. Because isn't it strange that when the angel came to her. She was afraid. Yes, if something out of the extraordinary comes here, I also will be afraid. But she was able to have a conversation with an angel that she knew was outside of her realm. There must have been something about Mary in her character, in the way that she honored God, in the way that she revered God, that made God feel that I can trust you with Jesus. I can trust you with my agenda for mankind. People like Simon. The Bible speaks of Simon who stayed in the temple. He stayed in the house of God for years, interceding, praying for the coming of the Messiah. What are the things that God can trust you with in a day like this? Can God trust your family? If God wanted to hide something in this city that he wanted to reveal at a certain time, can he choose you knowing that you can take care of this? You know, when God could not find anyone, when God wanted to do something um, through the children of Israel, he found the, a prostitute called Rahab. <laughs> There should have been something in Rahab that made God feel that, you know what, I can rather trust a prostitute with my agenda 
Yes, she has a weakness that she's a prostitute. But could it be that there were other strengths that helped to protect the agenda of God for God to be able to take his children and move them across? Glory to God. If you read 1 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 18 and verse 24, I don't have time. It shows two things. It shows that, you know, he was a, he was a porter. He was also a gatekeeper. He exceptionally executed his duties in taking care of the ark. He proved himself. We are the only people that don't want to be proved. God proves us. He does. He proved himself. If, if someone tries to prove you now, you're like, ah, no, this and that, you get, people get angry. And we don't think God proves, God proves us. He does. We need to understand that. That God checks your faithfulness, your personal faithfulness in your relationship with him. The Bible says Uzzah was trying to help God. Why did God kill him? Could it be that he was doing the right thing because everybody was watching? Could it be that he was doing the right thing but his motive was wrong? Could it be that when nobody was there, he had no concern for the ark of God? But because there was everybody watching, now he wanted to prove, no, I know how to handle the ark of God. Remember, God looks at the heart, not what everyone else sees. In your private place of prayer, in your private place of studying the word of God, in your private place of worship, does God find you there? Are you there? Are you there? Or is it only when Pastor Cordelia sends the link that, okay, she has sent, let me click. Or because you saw something that says there's church on Sunday. On your own, where is your heart? Listen, God is not a respecter of person. He looks for integrity, he looks for commitment, he looks for a heart of service, he looks for a heart of that is open, he looks for transparency. That is God. One of the prayers David used to pray a lot was, search me, O God, and know my heart. Maybe that is a prayer we need to pray tonight. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Is there any form of dishonesty in me? Is there any form of lack of commitment in me? Is there any form of craftiness in me? Is there any form of laziness in me? Spiritual laziness in me? Is there cheating in me? Is there impurity? I repent. Some of you don't even remember the last time you repented before God. You know, I, I was thinking, I said, you know, I think sometimes we have an abusive relationship with God. We do. If you are in a relationship ne, with somebody and the person only comes to you to tell you what they want, they are abusing you. You are in an abusive relationship. If all we do by coming to God is to tell him, I want this, I want marriage, I want the job, I want my business to flourish, I want this, we are in an abusive relationship with God. We are. And God is not asking for too much from us. He just wants our heart. He just wants us 
to love him right. Not love him because of what he does for us or he doesn't do for us. Love him because he's our source of life, because he is God. God created mankind for one thing. I said this before. He had a need when he created, and that need was a relationship. You're created not to own cars, not to own this, not to do this. He created you to be have a relationship with you. That was his major source of creating, the major reason of, of creating you. And I want us to be sober tonight. And I and say, I know I've got problems that I can bring to him. I know I need a breakthrough. I know I need this. But God, my deepest need is you. My number one need is you. How true am I to you? How loyal am I to you? How faithful am I to you? Let's just check our hearts once again. And say, change me, Lord. Transform me. The second reason I believe is because Obed-Edom was a worshipper. David was a worshipper, so he knew a worshipper. They say it takes a king to know a king. It takes a worshipper to know a genuine worshipper. He knew. He knew that Obed-Edom was a worshipper. He was in the choir. First Chronicles chapter 15 verse 20 tells us of that. He did four things, actually. He was a bodyguard. He was a worshiper. He was a gatekeeper. He, was, he also played instruments. He was everywhere. Anything that needed to be done for the house of God to run, for the kingdom of God to work, Obed-Edom wanted to do that. And I think David saw himself there. But I think also that part of the, way, the reason why Uzzah died was because God wanted to reward the secret service of Obed-Edom. Because honestly speaking, if, if David was to choose who to bless in the natural, maybe the gatekeeper would have been the last person in his mind. Because sometimes, you know, there are people that are, what they do is visible. Everyone can see it. And sometimes maybe when we want to reward people, you think of that kind of person first. Meanwhile, there are people who work in the secret to do things in the kingdom that nobody else sees. Maybe there are people that are winning souls for Christ that no one is seeing, that no one is clapping for. There are people who are praying day and night, calling for the agenda of God in the house of God. Praying for the kingdom of God. Praying for one person or another. Who, if it was for men to reward them, they would not be rewarded. Maybe if, if, if David wanted to promote someone or reward, he, he might have missed him. Maybe David kept on rewarding Uzzah, who was visibly doing things in the presence of others, and he kept passing, bypassing Obed-Edom. But listen, there is nothing that you do for the kingdom of God with all your heart that goes unnoticed by God. It is just a matter of time before God rewards, this, rewards you. And I believe that God had to remove Uzzah so that the right hearts could be rewarded. And I believe that God there is someone listening to me that God is about to visit you. 
God is about to bless your reward, to, to bless your labor. The Bible says your labor of love towards the saints is not in vain. Hallelujah. God will orchestrate a blessing into your home. It was God who orchestrated what happened with Uzzah so that he could bless Obed-Edom. Glory be to Jesus. Listen, there are three levels of rewards that I believe that Obed-Edom enjoyed. Number one, he enjoyed individual blessing. You know, God, when, when you do something for God, he starts with you first. The Bible says, it says the husbandman that labors must be the first partaker of the blessing. That's the, the Bible. Those of you that, you know, are committing and say, God, I'm coming back. As you make that commitment, as you rededicate yourself in this season to say, Father, I'm checking my motive. It's time for me to honor you genuinely to do. I'm not tithing because I want anybody to see that I've tithed. I'm not serving because I want anybody to see that I've served. I'm, I am I am not coming to church so, but, so that anybody can take register. I am not tuning online so that anyone can take register. I am doing this because it is my honor to you. It is my act of reverence and honor. God will start that blessing with you. Glory to God. He will begin with you. The blessing, God blessed him so much that even David became jealous. He came and collected the ark. The blessing that brings envy is coming to your house in the name of Jesus. God fast forwarded the life of a bodyguard. God fast forwarded the life of a gatekeeper. That's why I always say, you know, <laughs> there's nothing that you do for God that is too small. If all you're doing in church is to pack chairs, I'm telling you, I might pass you, but not God. I'm telling you the truth. He has not, he has not forgotten you. He knows you and he sees you. And he will reward you. Glory to God. You know, the Bible says his name and the name of all his eight sons. He had eight sons. They were written in the Bible. Eight I don't have time now. My time is running fast. But go and read your Bible. All his eight sons came to know God and they came to serve God. Simply because he started the journey. He honored God. Hallelujah. As you honor God, I am telling you, you and your household will be saved. That child that looks like it's an impossible case, God knows how to pick that child and bring that child back to Christ. Glory to God. The Bible says, if you read from 1 Chronicles chapter 26 from verse 4 to 5, God also blessed his extended families, not just his household. The blessing was so much that it extended even to, his, to the families around him. In a choir of 68 people, God chose one man. 68 choir members Maybe many of them were singing because they can sing. But this one sang differently. He sang with all his heart. 
It caught the attention of God. Glory to God. It is the quality of service that he was rendering to God that got the attention of God. It is not what you do for God, but the quality of your service to God. You know, last week, my daughter uh, was supposed to receive offering for the first time. She's in, in the, in the preteens church. And on Sunday morning, Sunday morning, we're going to church. She comes and she says, Mommy, how do we receive offering? I said, that's not how you serve God. You do not prepare on the day that you're going to receive offering. How do you expect God to receive that kind of sacrifice? It's not even a sacrifice. If you're going to do anything for God, it means from, Sunday, from the day they give you the assignment, you start praying about it, you start studying, you start preparing. And she got to church and I think God had my prayer. They told her you will receive next week. So when after service I asked, how did it go? She says, no, they said I will receive next week. I said, God wants you to prepare. Because we need to teach our children how God must be served. We need to teach our children how God must be revered. How God must be honored. How God must be exalted. We don't do anything for God anyhow. We are not doing for man. We are doing it for God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. In the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 26, verse 8, you know, the Bible says he gave, God gave him a generational grace to serve God. If you read there, he said, it says, I don't have time, it says, but the Spirit of God came upon him to serve God. Hey, that's what some of you need. This, you know, this corona, <laughs> for some people, it has, affect, it has killed people spiritually. Seriously, there are people that have died physically out of Corona, but I believe that there are people that have died spiritually out of Corona. And I'm praying for you today. If you have died in your relationship with God, if you have died in your service to God, may God give you the strength to serve him. Not to serve him anyhow, but to serve him genuinely. Glory be to Jesus. Say, Lord, give me grace to serve you. Give me grace to serve you. Hallelujah. Even after God blessed Obed-Edom, he did not stop, you know, being a doorkeeper. After they came and took the ark, he still went back to be a gatekeeper. He still went back being a bodyguard. The great things were happening in his house. The blessing was working. It was irreversible. But he went back there and started serving. If it was some of you, he gives you something small. You're like, I don't have time for God anymore. That should not be our testimony. What God has blessed us with should not hinder our service to him. I think Obed-Edom saw, saw David. It was David who said, I'd rather be a dog keeper in the house of God. He saw a whole king. David is amongst one of the most celebrated kings, the most glorified kings you can think of. He still was a dog keeper. There are people that say, because of what I do, there are jobs I cannot do. 
at the moment we are looking for people that can help with children's church there are people who have a grace with children but because of their title they don't see themselves doing it we need to be people that know that are humble enough you know there's no place that humbles you like the the house of god it humbles you not me not pastor just the house of god serving god serving his interest glory to god David now appointed him to be amongst those that will come and serve in his house. He did not, you know, although the blessing was at work in his house, he didn't start fighting David. If it was some of us, I would have said, yeah, when the ark was killing everybody, you came and threw it in my house. Now that you see that it's working, you want to take it from me. No, 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 no. He still humbled himself under David and still was willing to save, serve in the house of God. Hallelujah. What does that say? It says a lot about his character. Glory be to Jesus. He understood responsibility. He understood the power of service. And the Bible says in 3 months God changed his life completely. Can this be a prophetic word for someone? That in this 3 months before the end of 2020, in this chaos where others have died, where others have lost many things where you too might have lost something as you come back and you rededicate yourself to God rededicate your family to God that God will bring a this I declare this prophetically that God will bring a dramatic change in your home this three months are going to be a deciding factor for someone listening to me this three months are going to change someone's life drastically by the time we enter into 2021 through the mystery of serving your life is about to change in Jesus name amen thank you so much for listening we believe you were blessed by the word for more please visit our website www.alivewithjoseph.com as well as subscribe to our youtube channel alive with joseph ngokotcha till next time god